and it is Jesus who makes this a glorious day. Welcome to this morning's broadcast. Glad you could join us. Today, the proper orientation for our minds. That is, setting our minds on things above. How and why should we do this? And now, Pastor Robert Elliott presents. Our second point is the orientation. The orientation we see in the text is seeking and keeping our minds set on things above. Do you see it there, the second part of verse one and the first part of verse two? Keep seeking, that's continuous action. Keep seeking the things above. 2A, set your mind on things above. That also is continuous action. Continually, God wants us to seek things above. Continually, God wants us to set our minds on things above. What are things above? We better know if we're supposed to continuously seek them, and we better know if we are to continuously set our minds on them. What are things above? Well, basically, things above are heavenly truths about God, about you and me, about salvation. Heavenly truths. Now, make no mistake about it, that most of these heavenly truths about God, ourselves, and salvation are invisible. And that's what makes it harder to seek them. That's what makes it harder to set our minds. If we could see them, it might be easier to seek them and to set our minds on them, but they're invisible largely. But the fact that they are invisible does not change how real they are. I can't see electricity, but I see the effects of electricity. A week ago, last Wednesday, I lost my keys. And all the keys for my vehicles, my house, uh, all the doors in this church building, etc., were on this set of keys. And I did everything I could. I sought them. I set my mind on where I used to be before I lost them. And I looked everywhere. I looked everywhere. And for over a week, I couldn't find them. And then I told Rich Edgar, who was back from Jamaica, that I lost these keys. And within 12 hours, he had found them. They were in the chat room. And I don't ever remember going in the chat room. <laughs> That's why God doesn't give babies to 56-year-old men. We'd forget where we set them down. Suzanne Noakes, our church administrator, said, no, pastor, you didn't forget you set them in the chat room. Someone found them somewhere else and put them in the chat room for you. He said, that's right, that's what happened. But the point here is when you or I lose something valuable, we seek it. And we set our minds on remembering where we last had it. Now, conversely, if we lose something that doesn't really matter to us, like a reminder card for the dentist... <laughs> Uh, it's okay. It's, it's all right. Catch you later. Um, these heavenly things, these invisible realities, these heavenly truths about God, about ourselves, about salvation are crucial. They're worthwhile. They're the most valuable things, really. So we must seek after these things. We must set our minds on these things. How do I do that, Pastor? How do I do that? You do that by reading, memorizing, 
meditating, studying, and sharing the Bible. For us to seek heavenly things, things above, for us to set our mind on heavenly things, things above, it's all wrapped up in God's word. How wrapped up are you in God's word? How wrapped up in God's word would you like to be starting this hour going forward in your life? I think that most all of us want to be setting our minds on things above since we're commanded to. I think most of us here this morning want to be seeking after things above because we've been commanded to, but now comes the choice for the man in the pulpit and for the people in the pews. Will we move off of wanting to seek things above, setting our minds on things above to actually doing it, seeking and setting? All comes back to what you're going to do with God's word the rest of today, the rest of this week, the rest of this month, the rest of this year, the rest of your life. One of the privileges of being at the deathbed of a strong and growing Christian is that what comes out when weakened is what was put in while strong. Leanna Steele, when you visit her, it's getting harder for her to say anything, but when she does pray, and when she does say something to loved ones, it's to praise God for her salvation, for heaven, for faithfulness, for answered prayer. Make no mistake about it, the orientation that we are to have as believers is to constantly be seeking the things above and to constantly be setting our mind on things above. And this is not mysterious. It happens by being in the Bible. Listening to Bible teaching in the car or on your iPod when you're jogging. Holding on to Earth's stuff loosely so you can instead hold on to things above strong. How many hours a week do I waste on television that teaches me nothing about things above? Television will teach me nothing about things above. Maybe some Christian programming will, but the rest of it's basically garbage. Verses 1 and 2. Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things that are on earth. Let me illustrate it this way. Some people, I guess I think my wife is one of these kinds of great people. Some people are garage sale people. These people are always checking for more garage sales. When they drive by a post that has a fluorescent Bristol board nailed to it, they stop the car and see the time and the date and what address. These are garage sale people. These people set their minds on what they might find for a deal at a garage sale. These people go to garage sales as their go-to solution. These people who are garage sale people see garage sales not as a chore, but as fun. You could say that these garage sale people have inner compasses, and their inner compasses do not point to due north. Their inner compasses point to garage sales. 
Nothing wrong with that. You can get a lot of good stuff cheap. But we as believers, church, we are banking our entire eternities on Jesus Christ, yes? And we are always to seek to find out more about him. We are to seek always to find out more about what we have in him. We should set our minds on Jesus. He should preoccupy our thinking. He should be our go-to solution. He should be our go-to joy. Jesus should be our focus. Jesus should be our purpose. He should be our gift to everyone we meet. Jesus should be your gift to everyone you meet. Put a tract on the table in the restaurant about Jesus. Make Jesus your gift to everyone you meet. Better knowing Jesus, better loving Jesus, better serving Jesus should not be chores to us. It should be fulfilling, a privilege. You could say, I hope that we Christians have our inner compasses not set to the North Pole, but set to Jesus Christ and things above. And now, today's ministry spotlight. Good morning. My name is Paul Warrell. I'm one of the pastors at Calvary Bible Church, and I have the pleasure of sitting here this morning speaking with our beloved pastor, Rob Elliott. There are exciting things happening at Calvary Bible Church, and we just want to make you aware of the latest development. Now, Pastor Rob, what is this latest development for our Calvary Bible Church? Well, the Lord is leading us, Paul, to start a new worship service on Sundays that will meet at 8 a.m. to supplement our 11 a.m. service that has run for many years. For some of us, 8 o'clock is when we're just enjoying our last dream. And the last thing we're thinking of is getting out of bed, actually. You don't even want to think about that. Why make this change? Well, we have the nice problem and challenge of having our 11 a.m. congregation to be of a size that it is at least 80% capacity of our seating. And we are desirous of having uh, more seats to share with more people and more parking spaces to make available in the process. So largely the motivation behind this 8 a.m. service addition is to free up space in both services so the Lord will continue to add to our church uh, the persons that he leads to us. Wow, that is great. The Lord did say he would build his church. Amen. And we're just making room for those people that he's going to send our way. Yes. Will the 8 a.m. worship service look any different from our 11 a.m. service? It will look somewhat different. Um, Our plan is for the 8 a.m. service to be of a more contemporary style. Uh, That being said, one way I look at it is that we fill the two different containers, one for the 8 a.m. service and the other for the 11 a.m. service, we fill them with the same material, uh, the same kind of uh, values on reverence and and worship and biblical instruction to make disciples and um, unity and all orderliness. All of these kind of things are values we have for both of the services. But the new 8 a.m. service will be more stylistically more contemporary. And that will show up perhaps in the songs that we sing, the length of the sermon, the elements of creativity we tend to bring to that service, which would be things like 
time to time have skits, have object lessons, perhaps have some readers theater uh, in the 8 a.m. service. So it will have a stylistic difference to the 11 a.m., which we would consider more traditional, and it will be shorter as well. The 8 a.m. service will only be 60 minutes, uh, dismissing at 9 a.m., whereas our standing 11 a.m. service runs till 12.30. Actually, I know about the service, but the more you talk, the more excited I get about it. <laughs> Good. But I'm sure everything won't change. So what will be the things that remain the same? Well, one important thing that w will remain the same is that I will be preaching both of the services, and specifically I'll be preaching the same scriptural text in both services. So out of necessity, probably the 8 a.m. sermon will be shorter than the 11 a.m. service, but it'll be based on the same scripture, and we'll draw out the same scriptural truths that are in the text. Both services will see those truths. So the Lord's Word, it won't be diluted. It'll be presented maybe a little differently. Yes. And the service overall may be a little bit shorter. I can hear some people saying hallelujah. I think I hear <laughs> them out there too, Paul. I do. Okay, now when will this 8 a.m. service actually launch? Well, God willing, our plan is to launch the new 8 a.m. service on Sunday, April the 3rd, which I think is the Sunday immediately after Easter. Okay. Now remember that, Sunday, April the 3rd. Don't miss it. Uh, what do you expect will be some of the spin-off blessings? Well, it is our prayer as pastors that the blessings we'll see will be a greater hearing for the gospel, that the good news of the Bible, that Jesus has died for our sins, paid the price, and he's been raised from the dead, evidencing that our sins are paid for, and that he can offer us a salvation that involves cleansing, but also a salvation that involves transforming us to be more and more like him each day. So that's a spinoff blessing to be sure, to have a greater hearing for the gospel. But also, uh, we understand that the New Testament mandate for the church is to make disciples. We're not uh, merely to make converts to Christ, but we're to help new converts to Christ grow up into the full stature of the Lord Jesus. And so we believe that adding an additional service will also increase our impact when it comes to making disciples committed followers of Christ. Uh, before we, we leave, again, when does this service begin? Glad you asked. <laughs> Sunday, April the 3rd. Sunday, April the 3rd, 8 a.m., and maybe I'll just add that part of the reason we selected making the contemporary service, the new worship service, in the 8 a.m. slot versus some other time was that we realized there's a lot of people that love and appreciate our Sunday school hour from 9.30 to 10.30, and also a lot of people who appreciate our current 11 a.m. worship service that runs through until 12.30. And so the pastors have been thinking that if people like Sunday school and like 11 a.m. worship as it is, they don't have to change anything. They can still repeat their normal customary pattern of when they come to Calvary Bible and, and what they do when they come. But what we've really only done is added a new option for um, those who might, for whatever reason, want to come to an 8 a.m. worship service on a Sunday. There are any number of reasons why that might be. It could be uh, due to a shift they're working 
at their workplace uh, due to other uh, constraints on transportation, um, maybe a stylistic choice, you prefer the traditional or the contemporary. We just think that presenting two good choices to people can only wind up in benefit. Right, and the Lord will be glorified. Yes. Now Bahamas, make sure you mark the date and the time, 8 a.m. April 3rd, 2016. And now, the Bible's answers to your questions. There is another question that came to me. The gifts of the Holy Spirit. Why can't I speak in tongues like the early church or Paul who spoke more than the others? Why can't I be carried away in the Holy Spirit to help someone understand the word? Why aren't there more visible healings and miracles, etc. today? And the answer to that is that we live in the 21st century and the Church of Jesus Christ has been very well established over the centuries and the message of the Church of Jesus Christ that salvation is only through Christ and believing that he has died on, died on the cross, paid for sins and been raised from the dead. That message has been authenticated tens of thousands of times over and over again by transformed and renewed persons. Their lives have been changed by Jesus Christ. Now, in the first century, when uh, Christ had just finished his public ministry, had just finished being crucified, had just finished uh, being raised from the dead, had just finished ascending back to his Father's right hand, in the early days, there were apostles. Apostles, by biblical definition, are eyewitnesses to the resurrected Christ. And uh, let me show you how that is the case. Uh, you recall that Judas Iscariot uh, suicided. He was never a true believer or follower of Jesus. He was a fake. He was in it for the money and the prospects of getting more money. And after he suicided, they needed to uh, replace him. And the criteria of replacing him is interesting, is found in Acts chapter 1, verse 21 and 22. Therefore, it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. For one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So they proposed two men, Joseph called uh, Barsabbas, also known as Justice, and Matthias, then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry, which Judas left to go where he belongs. And the cast lots and the lot fell on Matthias, so he was added to the 11 apostles. Let me just a side note say that they had to cast lots because the indwelling Holy Spirit had not filled every born-again believer yet. That was happening in the next chapter, chapter 2, 10 days after the ascension of Christ, this Holy Spirit came and filled believers and they no longer had to cast lots to determine the will of God. But going back to apostles, you can see there were two possible replacements for Judas Iscariot and they were trying to seek who could be a witness along with the existing apostles of the resurrection of Christ and men who were totally familiar with Jesus Christ's public ministry, the three and a half years that Jesus ministered on earth beginning with his baptism. And so apostles are eyewitnesses of the resurrected Christ. There are no apostles today. 
And um, the message of, of the gospel that Christ has died for sins and arisen from the dead is a well-established message. It doesn't need to be proven to be valid like it did in the first century. And there are other ways that God proved that new message back in the first century. He did many signs, uh, tongues, the speaking of known languages uh, that are previously unknown by the speakers. He uh, transported some individuals. Uh, Apostle was transported to give the gospel to the Ethiopian eunuch. Uh, God gave visions to authenticate the gospel. God allowed the apostles to do many uh, impressive healings. Um, their shadows even could heal people, and the apostles in some cases could raise the dead. I would understand those wonderful uh, miracles as being first century specific, apostle specific, and validating to the gospel specific. And as you, you consider the history of the church, if you picture a, a bay or a, a key where the sea is exceptionally calm, and you throw a big rock into that calm portion of the sea, and there's a big splash, and then ripples go out from the splash to um, away from where the splash happened. And according to Acts 1.8, the splash point for the gospel was Jerusalem. It says in Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes in you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So I'm picturing this. You throw the rock of the gospel, the new message of salvation through Jesus Christ into the calm sea, splash. That's Jerusalem. The ripples go out next to all Judea. The ripples go out all next to all Samaria. And then the ripples go all out to the ends of the earth. And when you study the occurrence of tongues in the book of Acts, you'll see that tongues occurred at the seam points between all of these uh, ripples. When there was a seam of the gospel moving from Jerusalem to all Judea, there were tongues. When the gospel moved from Judea to the area of Samaria, again, there were tongues. When the gospel moved from Samaria to the uttermost parts of the earth, again, there were tongues. So tongues uh, validated a new message that was being t preached as being actually a message of truth from God. And as I understand the New Testament, we're told that the gift of tongues uh, will cease. We see that in 1 Corinthians 13 and beginning at verse 8. Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. So God clearly states that some of the sign miracles that had a very good purpose in the baby stages of the church were going to be stilled, were going to be ceased for God's own good purposes. It's interesting to me that when you understand 1 Corinthians 13, 8, that tongues would be stilled by God, that there is no mention of tongues again in the rest of the New Testament. The last mention of tongues is in 1 Corinthians, and then tongues are not mentioned again for the rest of the entire New Testament. And that's also interesting that when you go to the last book of the Bible, Revelation, which 
covers the first chapters talk about the current church age we're in. Chapters 4 through 19 talk about the future seven years of tribulation. And chapters uh, 20 through 22 talk about the future state, the eternal state, that nowhere in the book of Acts do tongues appear. They do not appear in uh, the church age portion, they do not appear in the tribulation age portion, and they do not appear in the end time uh, eternal state portion. So I have lots of believers, I know they're my brothers and sisters in Christ, who believe that signed gifts have not ceased and that they are still operative today, and I guess I'm going to have to agree to disagree with those saints uh, on this matter, but my conviction is that signed gifts have ceased, and so the questioners question, why can't I speak in tongues? I think the simple answer is because you live in the 21st century and, and the church message of the gospel has been fully uh, established already and there's no need for tongues uh, by way of God's estimation and assessment on it. Another way of saying this is that if you look at the church as being a skyscraper, the foundation of the church, of course, is Jesus Christ's person and work. And then if you picture in the skyscraper that every story of the uh, skyscraper is a century. So you've got Christ as the bedrock foundation, and then the first story or floor of the skyscraper was the first century, and that's where the sign gifts took place, tongues and healings and uh, transportations and all these different things. And then the, the skyscraper continues to have been built by God's faithfulness as the gospel has been shared and people have come to faith in Christ. The skyscrapers moved off the first floor and now we're on the 21st floor. And um, on the 21st floor, we have no need to inject first floor proofs about the gospel because the gospel has been proven valid and powerful by the tens of thousands of believers in Christ that have been transformed in the centuries between the first century and the 21st century. And there is a, a verse in, uh, in Hebrews 2, and it's verses 1 through 4 that I think speaks to this whole concept of first century, first floor phenomena not being needed on the 21st floor of the skyscraper. Um, and here's what Hebrews 2, 1 to 4 says. We must pay more careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. For if the message spoken by angels was binding, and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore such a great salvation? This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles, and the gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. So he's saying that what was first announced by the Lord, the gospel, that Christ died for sins and arose, what was first announced uh, was confirmed to us by those who heard him being Christ. Who were the ones that heard him? They were the apostles. The eyewitnesses of the resurrection and those who were fully acquainted with Christ's public ministry from the age of 30, Christ's age, to the age 33. And then it says of those who first announced this message that it was confirmed by those apostles. How? Verse 4, God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. 
So when the questioner asks why uh, he or she can't speak in tongues or be transported to help someone understand the word or do certain miracles, I think the the simple answer, and I do not mean to be flippant with this, is that we don't live in the right century. And I hope that answers the question. You have been listening to Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church, Nassau, Bahamas. Our morning worship service begins this morning at 11 a.m. in the sanctuary located on Collins Avenue. We encourage you to join us. Feel free to write us at eocradio at gmail.com or P.O. Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And remember, everyone needs a Savior.